Amen. Well, that's how I like praise and worship to be. Amen. Where you know you please God, sometimes you have to work at it. And, and really, you know, involve yourself in it. Amen. And when everyone is on one accord and when everyone is just showing the Lord how much they really, truly love him and are so grateful to be in his presence, then the glory comes. The glory falls. <laughs> Amen. Amos 9.13. Hallelujah. Praise God. The message translation. I was so happy when I saw this pastor. I don't even know his name, but he was on uh, TBN. I don't know who he was. But he was talking about Amos 9.13 from the message translation. And he was so excited. He says, yeah. He says, it's going to happen so quick, it's going to blow your mind. You know, and I said, that is so cool. You know, he's the first person that I've heard on, on live TV to talk about the message translation. And it was just so comforting. And it was a confirmation. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So look for it. Amen. Because it's not something that's going to happen. We're in the middle of it right now. Amen. Yes, indeed. It won't be long now. God's decree. Things are going to happen so fast your head will swim one thing fast on the heels of another. And you won't be able to keep up. Everything will be happening at once. And everywhere you look, blessings, blessings. Like wine pouring off the mountains and hills. And I'll make everything right again for my people Israel. And you know what? I received that. You know, he says, I'm going to make everything right. So everything that's not right, God says he'll make everything right. Amen. So that's not something to just say, oh, yeah, okay, you know, but this is a, a decree from God. He's making an announcement to you and to me, you know, and it's backed up with an oath and a promise that he, what he is going to do. Amen. And he is saying that I'm going to make everything right. And so look for it. Expect it. You know, a big part of Amos 9.13 is your faith and expectation. I believe the faith is there. In fact, I know it is. But to expect it. Amen. Expect Amos 9.13. One thing on the heels of another. They'll rebuild their ruined cities. They'll plant vineyards and drink good wine. They'll work their gardens and eat fresh vegetables. And, and I'll plant them. Plant them on their land. And they'll never again be uprooted from the land that I've given them. God, your God, says so. I just love it. So God has made a, a decree to us. He's announcing what is here. It's not coming. It is here. So you don't have to get ready, get ready, get ready. It's here. Amen. Just receive it with gladness. Receive it. Amen. You know, the God was just, you know, giving me a little bit about Amos 9.13. And I think I've shared it with you before, but I'm going to share it again. And he says that this is a, the reaping of an unbounded harvest. An abundant yield of prosperity like rivers of wine flowing off vineyards down the mountains. And it defies the anticipation of farmers. And that's what I love. It defies the anticipation of, of farmers after years of drought and discouragement. Amen. But they have something unexpected to look forward to. And so do you. And so do I. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, after the drought, Israel was very discouraged. And they just, you know, half of them didn't believe God anyway. 
And so they had very little to look forward to, like maybe some of you are feeling right now. You know, maybe you feel like you've given, 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 and you haven't gotten your return. Or, you know, sometimes you can get a little religious and say, well, I heard all that. I did all that, you know. But I'm telling you that God's decree is final. Amen. (laughs) It's a final decree. No one can uh, overrule it. No one can overrule God's decision. Amen. Because the heart of the king is in the hand of God. Hallelujah. So we need to receive this decree with gladness. And I just thank God. So Israel expected very little, but the anticipation just got to them. And God says, I'm going to do it. He caught a lot of people off guard, but I believe in their hearts they were hoping that something happened. Amen. And so we need to just get rid of negativity and get rid of negative people around you. Amen. Amen. Raise your level of expectation and everything that has to do with God, receiving from God. Raise that bar. Amen. Raise your expectation. And don't allow the devil to label you as an unbeliever. Or it's not time. Wait on that. You waited long enough. So all you have to do is just step over into believing and and expecting God to come through for you. If you haven't been receiving what you think you should receive from giving, expect to get more. Expect it now. Amen. Hallelujah. It's it's just as simple as as believing what you've been told. Amen. Believing what the, the scriptures tell you. I believe that this is a better stronger covenant that's uh coming from heaven and it 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 uh and it involves supernatural provision you know this is a thing where i believe god is saying this is um what is that i was talking about last week do anybody remember uh the new economy this is the new economy that we need to get used to and it's receiving god as your source or making god your source Not your job, not your friends, you know, not your boss or anything like that, but God is your source. And this is the new economy that everybody's going to have to get used to. Amen. And I I believe that if they don't get used to this new economy, then they won't have much to look forward to. You know, you can work hard and break your back and do all these things. But I believe that if we have faith in this new economy where you are putting God and making God your source and believing and receiving from God and him only, then your whole life will change. Amos 9.13 is going to flip everything around. Amen. I'm just believing it. So, Father, bless your people. Bless the people here today, Lord. And, Lord, I just thank you for the faith that it it takes to believe Amos 9.13. And I know that you've given it to all of us. And so we expect you to come through for us like never before, Lord. We expect for you to increase all that we invest. We expect it, Lord, to exceed all that we expect. And we thank and praise you, Father. Thank you for the people here. Thank you that you bless them. And, Lord, I just ask that you would just continue to work on us because we need it. Amen. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. You may receive the offering and we'll get into the word. Johnson for healing. She's had her second heart, open heart surgery, and they still have problems with that. And... um, 
it's probably just one small thing she needs to make an adjustment with as far as you know receiving the word you, you know who Pastor Josephine is from over in uh, Pennsylvania uh, Fernando um, Rekia is that his name yeah he's deployed now so you need to put him on your destruction prayer and also your Psalm 91 prayer for him and so we will pray for both of these individuals and we'll pray for Tanya and Tony to get to church Rise and be healed. What's up with that? Come on now. <laughs> Shake it off. Get moving. Whatever. But anyway, whatever they, they need to muster up, we'll pray that they muster that up and receive their healing. Amen. Father, we thank you that your word is true. And we thank you that you give us permission to request whatever we desire so that we can receive everything that's needed in this life and then we have eternal life in the world to come so we have everything father you've planned a good life for us from beginning to end and we honor you we love you we thank you for that in jesus name and we pray for pastor josephine we pray for tanya and tone we thank you for healing them lord Thank you, Lord, to send your word and heal them, deliver them from their destructions. Father, speak your word to their hearts and let them grab onto it, rise up out of their beds of affliction. We pray for Fernando, that no enemy uh, will, will come between him and you, Father, no weapon formed against him will prosper in any way. It won't accomplish anything against his life. And so we thank you, Lord, to hide him under the shadow of your wings, that he may be preserved, he may have life, and he will emerge victorious. Thank you, Lord, that he is desiring to work for his government so that he can protect the country that we love and the system that we love. And we thank you, Lord, and we honor you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Are we recording? All right. Praise God. Amen. So we'll get into the word, huh? Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to hear and receive your word. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. We love you. We thank you, Lord, that you have ordained this time that we would be in your presence to hear from heaven. That we would hear your word, we would understand your word, we would prosper in your word as we believe it, embrace it, and walk it out. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who is for us in this life, and we honor you and we love you today. Thank you, Lord, to open ears, open hearts, cause us to know and to understand. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So today we're going to talk about the fact that time is on your side. Amen. Time is on your side. Time is for you, not against you. Amen. It's for you. In the beginning, God created time. Actually, time came as the fruit of God's efforts to remove darkness from the face of the earth. Amen. It was a byproduct of God's efforts to reduce uh, darkness from the face of the earth. In Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now, there's controversy, but not, if you think about it. The Holy Spirit will reveal, you know, we don't have to depend on man 
even though we can receive from one another, you know, when there are people who are studied the Bible and what we call Bible scholars, you know, they devote their careers to studying the Bible. That don't mean you come up with the right answer all the time, but somebody working on it. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> That's why we want the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Amen. So then he reveals to you what's really true and what's pertinent. But anyway, Bible scholars disagree somewhat on uh, how that happened. Because it's written right one one uh, verse after the other. It says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. Well, if God created the heavens and the earth, he did not create it without form and void. That was not what his intention was because if you look at the next verses he goes about eliminating the without form and void Uh so if he's and see if if that were true of God if he created it wrong and had to fix it he wouldn't be holy because holy means you don't have to fix nothing it's all good you understand <laughs> if he blows his nose, it's all good. You understand what I'm saying? We blow our nose, it's a hot mess, but he, you know what I'm saying. So, anywho, so, it, it, so they think something happened between verse 1 and verse 2. And, and we see it over in Ezekiel, I think it's chapter 38 or 34. You don't have to turn there. But it talks about Satan falling from heaven. And he fell down to the earth. So something happened to the earth. That was destructive and that was the force of iniquity shooting out of heaven. Worse than any hurricane, worse than any drought, any famine, any anything like that. When uh, the earth was without form and void, it was a, 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 a byproduct of iniquity. The iniquity that Satan himself um, um, was able to... You might want to put this near speaker, baby, because that's what I'm thinking. The speaker was worse. I think I hear her saying so. <laughs> you might have to follow her with that a little bit. But anyway, the earth was without form and void. If you can let her know, we're still working on the live stream as well. So um, it, the fact that something anti-God hit the earth is not a shock to us because we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity so your mind can comprehend something cataclysmic happening that was not the will of God nobody understands iniquity nobody understands how Satan could manufacture Lucifer could manufacture iniquity while he was in heaven you know but if you look at what he does through music in the earth now you can see that it's a very condemning damning destructive force that's in in that realm of music and so we know that he somehow manufactured iniquity now there are some different understandings of this because it's such a powerful force how could somebody who was subject to God now almost take over the world with something he manufactured while he was in heaven some people believe that iniquity is the anointing turned inward. The anointing being possessed for self. That's exactly what happened. He was the anointed cherub that covered the mercy seat. 
And he began to reflect on himself and say some things. He began to pronounce some things out of that realm of iniquity and out of that realm of selfishness. And so as he began to pronounce things like, I will exalt my throne, I will do this, I will do that, he automatically expelled himself from heaven. Jesus said he fell. He said we didn't arrest him, we didn't kick him out. We didn't do nothing. So it's an automatic fall when you start to exalt yourself above God. The Bible says pride leads the way to the fall. Amen. And a haughty look goes before destruction. So all of that occurs as as a result of his influence, his God-given influence and power being used for selfish reasons. So he couldn't stand in that atmosphere of perfection and holiness. So he threw himself out in other words you know he fired himself and so when he hit the earth that's what caused chapter uh, verse 2 in Genesis 1 being without form and void amen so as he hit the earth that's what happened and so in, in you see in the rest of it goes God goes about correcting what the devil did amen and that's always true about God he seeks to perfect he seeks to retrieve restore he's not a loser he's not going to sit up and let anybody go to hell and him just sit back and do nothing about it that's why he puts belief in the earth and gives us a message to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because he is working, working, working constantly to remove iniquity and to make things right and to make them perfect again. He goes for his original plan for everything. And that includes you and that includes me and that includes every soul that comes into the earth. He wants to perfect us and bring us back to his original purpose for our lives. And he is relentless at it. Look at what he did with bringing his son to the earth. His perfect son had to come down here and live like a human being. Well, we were made in God's image and he wanted to show us that we were valuable. So he said, I'll take my perfect son. You know, there's all kinds of analogies to what happened to Jesus in his life throughout the Bible. You'll see Joseph with the brothers that hated him and so forth and so on because he was called of God to do great things. And so you'll see there's a story about a perfect man being put into a hostile environment and laying down his life for others who hated him and tried to destroy him and so forth and so on. And so God is, when I say he's relentless, I mean he will spare no expense to bring us back to him. And so when he began to correct the things on the earth that were wrong, that were corrupted, that were without form and void, he was able then to um, uh, allow time to come in as a blessing to man. He, I think his original design for man and for the earth was that time would be included in it. That's his original plan. It wasn't a second thought or an afterthought that came as a result of what Satan did to the earth. I think he always planned time for us because we are so uh, geared toward time. I mean it, it couldn't be something he, that he came up with on short notice you know what I'm saying it was something that was planned into uh, his creation and so if you look at Genesis chapter 1 he said the first thing I'm going to remove the darkness in verse 3 and there was light God saw the light that it was good he divided the light from the darkness 
So when you divide light from darkness, what do you have? It's a giveaway. It's right there in the scripture. (laughs) If you have divide light from darkness, you have day and night, right? (laughs) Yes! Yes! Everybody gets a donut. <laughs> or extra helping, whatever. So, so yeah, it goes from being without form and void, or it, it it was a mess, in other words, and there was darkness over the face of the earth. So he did that, and he called the 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 called it the separation of light from dark. He called it one day. So he said, "I'll let the light be up here by himself." And the darkness over here, so they don't conflict all the time. Imagine if if light was fighting dark all the time. Well, there, there's enough of that going on as it is. But if we had it in, if there wasn't something stable in creation to show us that there was a perfection that God appreciated, and then there was a darkness that He has for a different purpose. Darkness does have its purpose, Amen. Just as light does, and separate the two of them, then that blessed us with a day. Why do we need a day? Why do we need to know that there's time? And why do we need to know that one day is over and the next one comes to pass? Well, when we start looking at what God did, every day he did a different job. On the first day, he did the creation of the first day. On the second day, he did a certain work in the second day. Up until the sixth day, on the sixth day, he created man. Okay, So he made six days of working. And then on the seventh day, he said, one six days, he said, let me make man in my image, my, like me. And he said, on the sixth day, I created everything. I told man, you have responsibility over everything down here that I've created. The fish in the sea, the fowls, the cattle, everything down here is your responsibility. Now, when he created everything... And up until the sixth day, he created man, and he blessed him and said, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. This is your job. This is what I want you to do. He, he took the seventh day to rest. He meant to rest with man in the seventh day. So that seventh day or Sabbath is what we call it. The, the same word that is used in the Bible for Sabbath is the same word for rest. So on, you can work one out of six days, but trust me, on number seven, you're going to need some help. You're going to call out for rescue. You're going you're gonna to get tired. You're going to, everybody, how many of you experience that? Nobody can work seven days a week, 24 hours a day, or seven days a week, eight hours a day. Your body is going to cry for something. Your mind is going to cry for something. Even though you get sleep, eight hours of sleep every night, you cannot go continually because you were not created to do that. So what God really said to Adam when he created him on the sixth day, he took him around the earth and showed him everything. 
And he said, tomorrow I'm going to meet with you and you and me, we're going to kick back. And we're going to talk about things. We're going to rest. The seventh day is your day to spend with God. To refresh your spirit. Refresh your mind. Refresh your body in the plan of God. So Adam had to meet with God. And and rest with God. And then they could dream together. They could talk together. They could understand where Adam was going. That he could get God's mind. He could get God's counsel. He could understand his purpose in life. Because he came away from the responsibility of work and all of the things that God gave him to do. Work is enjoyable in a lot of ways. But work also is, is a, a responsibility that we are not created to carry nonstop. I don't care how easy your job is. And this has nothing to do with the curse. This God ordained rest when the earth was perfect. You got me? This has nothing to do with sweating from the Torah. Because that's in chapter 3. You understand what I'm saying? We ain't even got there yet. But he ordained rest from the beginning. He rested. He meant for Adam to kick back and rest with him. Come and with me, Adam. Go to church. Worship me. Talk to me. Get it straightened out. Tell me something that you're going through in life so you don't get up and hurt somebody, you know, after the fall. But tell me the things that you need on the earth so I can help you to understand how to manage things so people don't think of idiot stuff like global warming and hugging a tree. See, if they worship God on that Sunday, they'd hug God and then not have a need to hug a tree. Let's see, they are jogging and doing everything else instead of worshiping God on the day of rest. When are you going to take your day of rest to go out and, and uh, you know, jog around and improve your body? That's your idea of what life is supposed to be. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with exercise, but you don't take your Sunday to do that. You don't take your rest day to do that. You understand what I'm saying? You take that day to be a part with God. Now, I know New Testament people think that's, you know, that legal is not Old Testament. Our rest is in Jesus. I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. God has called days uh, to, to assemble with his people. There's still times where God calls a congregation together. You take that, that day and you're supposed to start out early with God and keep God in focus that whole day. You know, go run to the mall and go see what's on sale and all that stuff. The minute church is off, everybody want to go run somewhere. I'm just having lunch with the saints at the country buffet. I'd rather see you jogging. Go sit and beef up with the saints at the country buffet, taking up two seats and all that kind of stuff. Don't want to go home. I saw somebody on Facebook here to get a, a sign out of it. I think it was an Asian buffet. They said, you go home after a meal. You don't stay all day. Uh, it was just it was spelled out like that. Go home after a certain time. You know, they get away. You know, people that got in there going to make it an all-day thing. You know? So we got ordained that we rest in him. Some people are so expert at it, they start crowding Monday's work in on Sunday evening. See what I'm saying? Why? Because we, our idea of success 
has to do with how much time we can spend either earning money, thinking about earning money, or planning to do something to make us earn better money, easier money, more money. Money, 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 money. Because trust me, if there were no money in it, people wouldn't be interested in it. God is your money. See, that's why we have sometimes so little faith in the, the, the means that God has given us to prosper in investing in what he's doing. See, that money will always be there for you. I don't care about anything else. That money will always be there for you. What you do for God, what you invest in time with him, your resources, your finances, whatever it is you invest in God's kingdom, that's going to always work for you. Because he'll always give you a return. You know, when you can invest in some of the best things. I don't care what stock you get, they all go up and down. You understand me? And you'll be a crazy person sitting up there watching them all day, day long. But I tell you what, if you'll take a tenth and invest it in God's kingdom and more, as much as your heart desires, and put it into what God's doing, you'll always have return coming. You'll always have it coming back. Because he can't fail. He's not a loser. You think he's going to sit up and know he owes you something and don't give it back to you? What kind of God you think you serve? And so God ordained that rest for him a whole day. 24 hours. When he divided the day from the night, it was a 24-hour period. He said, you get six of them to do what you want to do. But on number seven, I expect you to kick back with me and spend time with me. And I mean a whole day. Do I have to stay all day in church? I don't care what you do, but you stay focused on God. You know, a lot of people, there's a community in uh, California. Gee, trying to think which one it is. But, but the average people there live, many of them live to be over 100 years old. You know who they are? Seventh-day Adventists. You can't pay them people to do nothing. Now, their Sabbath is Saturday. Who cares what day of the week it is? But you can't pay them people to get up and do nothing on that day. And they try to figure out, why do they live so long? Look at what they do. Huh? They don't overindulge in anything. They don't, they, you know, they live as close to the word as they can. And probably some of them aren't even born again. They don't have... <clears throat> Power like we do and and you know all this glory and falling out and stuff but they, they have extremely long lives why and they say when you go in this town it's so peaceful huh it's so peaceful there yeah because they stress about what they know how to rest in God right Well, you know, the, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. You don't do, you don't rest in him either. He's just running around as your side gig. You know what I'm saying? Your little, your little genie in the pocket in case you need something. We don't talk to him. We don't worship God. We don't spend much time with him. And when we do, we're constantly looking to push ourselves away from the things of God and go do something else. Well, I gotta go. Do, I gotta go. You ain't gotta do nothing. Hmm? Gotta do nothing. But time is on your side if you'll obey certain rules with it. Huh? You need to respect time. God created it for us. 
His intention was to meet with Adam on the seventh day. And they spend that time resting with one another. Can we keep the TV off for a whole day? Most people turn it on the minute they come in the house. Why? They don't like they sell. You don't like your own thoughts. Can we not pick up some game to play with? Huh? And spend time with God. Just walk around the house with no distractions on and see what that might do for you for the rest of one day. Now most people can't even do it. Most people can't do it through a service. Got to get up and go do something. Huh? Uh-huh. You know, I hate that we have jobs to do in church. It would be so nice people not to have to do anything. You know, work-wise. Because many times people who do jobs in church are so distracted from the word. You understand what I'm saying? We need to have sit-down time for everybody. Let's just not do anything. And not, you know, can focus on the word for this period of time. Some people learn how to stay focused even when doing their jobs. You know what I'm saying? But some people take that job as an opportunity to get carnal. You understand what I'm saying? Just go and talk about something else because we have... We're different. We can go do this. You know, we're special. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't ever take that grace that God gives you huh? to do work for him and be in his atmosphere as something. You know what I'm saying? It's just not right. So we've got to refocus ourselves, you know, and quit doing lip service to the things of God. You know, people say, well, we're going to have this big revival. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. Huh? Because in order to get there, we got to come here first. We got to respect the rest that God has ordained for us. And I'm not talking about just vegging on the couch and playing Nintendo or whatever they play these days. But there is a rest in God that He has called us to. So His rest or His Sabbath is a time to cease from our labors and rest. That word Sabbath means to, this is a Hebrew word for rest. It means to cease from work, to be completed. So you're not complete until you rest with God. You know the scripture that says, and we are complete in him who is the head of all principality. And well, Jesus comes to complete all of us. Huh? He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden or weary, and I will give you rest. The word weary can also be translated as sick of waiting. Weariness translates sick of waiting. Jesus says if we will come to him, not just in salvation, in that first confession of Christ as your Savior. But come to him and abide with him. That's what that word means. It means come to him and stay in his presence. That's where you get your rest. You don't come to God and get saved and ask him for a few things and say, I came to Jesus and I'm resting in him. That's not what he means. He means you come and you abide in my presence. Seek to be in my presence all of the time. 
and look at what else you have to do as something that you do that I've instructed you to do. And if you live it like that, time will be on your side. You'll have a glorious time. God, God knows what you want out of life. He put you here to enjoy life. Not to take it and run and do what you want to do with it. And use him as somebody who's just going to supply your want-tos for what you want to do. God has a purpose for all of us being here. And it's not to uh, have you consumed with the latest thing that you see on television to want. You got me? He wants to be your wants. He wants to dictate your wants. He wants to show you a better way of living. A higher way of living. Your real purpose for being here. Your purpose for being here is not to be whatever profession that you've decided. You know. I'm telling you. Because I've had a lot of them. (laughs) Bored with all of them. Why? I didn't understand I was called to to minister. I've never changed. Once I've been saved and, and started doing the work of the ministry, I'm a different person than I was before. You can ask anybody. Ask my family. I was always in school learning something different. They look up and I was doing this. And I was like, what you doing now? Well, you just don't. Ain't satisfied with doing it. Nobody understands. Huh? They, they're mad at you if you don't do nothing. You're mad at you if you do too much in their book. You understand what I'm saying? But there was a hunger and a thirst in me to be satisfied. You got me? And so as long as I was not satisfied, I was looking for something to satisfy me. Now there are people that do that a lot of their drug addict is doing that. You got me? You're, you're um, fornicators doing that. They're always looking for somebody to satisfy them. You understand? But, but you know, <laughs> I wasn't that swift. <laughs> I wasn't fast. You know what I'm saying? I was intellectual, so I stayed in school all the time, you know. And so, you know, somebody, if a boy found me, he'd find me in school. <laughs> Mess with boys that didn't do books. No illiterate, immoral, illegal, nobody around me. Huh? Well, you know, I was interested. What you going to talk about if you got education and you hook up with somebody with none? The conversation gets real short or real stupid real quick. And so, you know, you, 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 but, but I still wasn't satisfied. Anything I did was no satisfaction. This is why in Ecclesiastes 4, why don't you turn there? Ecclesiastes 4. Or is it 3? I'm sorry. I always call it 4, but it's 3. I wrote it down wrong, too. Oopsie, I hope I get it right this time. <laughs> yeah, 3 verse 1. I'm correct this in my. It says, To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. To everything. That word thing is, is, was penciled in. So it's to every matter. Every desire, every want, every issue, there is a time. In other words, God has made enough time for you to do everything you want to do. Huh? For every purpose under heaven. 
My thing is stay on God's time schedule and you get to do everything on time. What we find many times with people is they will put things off or think they don't have to do them. And then they, what happens they say time caught up with me. Huh? I wasn't able to accomplish all of that when I, you know, when it was on schedule and time caught up with me. And so he says, a time and a season for each purpose under heaven. So what that tells you is that time starts where heaven ends. You got me? Time starts where heaven ends. So there's no time in heaven. There's only eternity. You're just there. And what a blessing. <laughs> because you don't have the pressure of time. You got me? So there's a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. The word purpose really is translated as desire. So God knows you got stuff you want to do. And he's ordained enough time for you to do it. So the purpose, according to, to Ecclesiastes 3.1, is something that you delight in, that you have pleasure in, and something you desire. So God is not organizing your time and ordaining rest and all this kind of stuff just to, to make you unhappy. Or it's not like he's left out anything that's important to you in his planning for your purpose in your life. He's included everything in this. So there is time for you, yes, to find a spouse, get married, have children, have a career, grow old, you know, run around in the wheelchair, and always, <laughs> whatever you do, you know, wherever you picture old is. Have middle age, have vacations, have fun, all those things. There is ample time for that. God has provided for every purpose under heaven or every desire every he- under heaven every recreation you might like every plan that you might like he has ordained time for that the most important thing for us is to have our rest in God so you know how to spend your time because if you look at it he did the six days he gave to Adam and the seventh day is me and you buddy me and you And the way you stay on time is to stay with God in your rest time so you can know how to plot the rest of your time that he gives you. Now, we do that to a degree. But we need to do it in a a sense of having a, a certain kind of order and a certain kind of understanding of our purpose in God. You understand what I'm saying? It's now, say for instance, uh, in our culture, it's traditional for children to go to school until age 18 and get what we call a primary education, secondary education, and then they graduate. But it gets kind of vague after that. See, some kids go to college and learn more. Some go get a career, pursue a job, something like that. What happens many times is is your culture will dictate uh, some trouble in your time. For instance, if you go to school for, you know, you want to be a, what are these people, um, archaeologist. You just like looking at bones and dead things. 
you get out and do it and you find out you can't make a living at that or the jobs are certain, then your time gets to be a problem there because you spend all this time doing this thing and now you can't, it's failed you and you need to find out what you need to do so you can make a living, etc., etc. So problems in time come with miscalculations of how your previous time is spent or how the things that you desire, your purpose. You love that, that archaeology and you thought that was your purpose in life and all that kind of stuff. Did you waste time doing that? Hmm? So it becomes not only a, a, a problem with how you spend your time, but then it becomes a problem with your purpose, your desire. You really like doing that, but it doesn't pay the bills. And so your time then becomes very important to you because now you've got to switch gears and go do something else. Now you live long enough and you'll find that many people switch gears and have to make adjustments and do other things. You know God has made plans for that too. Don't ever get discouraged or disappointed because you feel like you should have been doing this over here and look over here and it's disappointed me. Amen. God has made provision for our disappointments. He's made provision for the things that used to turn us on and don't turn us on no more. He's made provision for all of that. But you'll find it out in your resting God. You won't find it out beating yourself up for what you didn't do with your youth. You know what I'm saying? Many people will get into jobs that they like and they find there's a ceiling there unless they go and get another degree. You understand what I'm saying? Now listen, God is much smarter than your boss is. And your boss probably don't have that degree that he's making you get anyway. So if you would take your rest in God and let God help you through these things instead of beating your brain, you know how we do. You could spend 10 years beating your brain, resenting and, and disliking how you spent the past 10 years. When you would take your rest in God, God says, is that all you want? Is that what you really want? Is it? Well, make your request known to me. And I can show, but you won't do that if you don't know how to rest. In God. You gotta, you gotta know how to do these things, folks. You will be a very unhappy person. Your spiritual life won't be a joy to you anymore. Nothing will be a joy to you if you don't know how to come out of that cultural mindset and out of that flow of what the world demands and what the world thinks is, is important and what the world values, all that kind of stuff. If you don't know how to come out of that, And go to God and spend enough time with him to get yourself normal in God. You understand what I'm saying? Get yourself normal in God. Then God can give you the time that you need to do all of the things that you need to do. And he can reset your desires. When you come to Christ, he resets what it is that you desire out of life. And that's the best part about that. He can get you to a point where you're not stressed about how you spend your years. You're not stressed about how you, you, what you look forward to and the things that you think are missing or the things that you think are going to make you so happy. He'll reset that. Paul said it. I've learned how to be content whatever state I'm in. Everywhere that man went, the minute he stepped off a boat, somebody grabbed him and beat him and threw him in jail. But he learned how to be content. Huh? 
So I can say he's he's got a much tougher life than we'll ever have. Well, I don't know about that, the way things are going for Christians these days. Uh-huh. One of the things that we, we have to be aware of is there you have a built-in pattern in your physical man that is tuned into a 24-hour cycle. And this is one of the things that you, you need to understand is built into every human being. Sometimes we can, can be responding to the internal clock that everybody carries with them. The, the, the biologists call it a circadian rhythm. Some of you nursing students should come into contact with that. If you haven't already, you probably will. That word really means, circadian means around the day. We have a rhythm of time built into us that is a 24-hour cycle. So we have a built-in daily clock that automatically determines time for certain activities. Like time to be awake, time to be asleep. Your body knows when all of this is supposed to take place. And you will, will be your at your maximum capacity when what your activities do, it, it falls in line with that. Now sometimes people can break that and violate it. You know, before we had factories... We didn't have people staying up all night working unless they were just like inventors or people who were driven for some reason. But we never had that. Everybody respected the 24-hour cycle. Why? Because the human body works better that way. God separated the night, the day from the light from the darkness called the light day and the darkness night for a reason. You have night so that you can rest your physical body and rest your soul and you can recharge your body is just like a a battery your sleep is like a battery it recharges your body so that all the cells in your body go down to a a shallow level of activity amen a low level of activity so that you just rest your physical all the cells in your body operate slower at night when you sleep amen that's why people are upset you ever have people keep running to the doctor I don't sleep at night I don't sleep at night they know something is wrong and sometimes they're not even that distressed about it physically you know they're not sick or anything but they know they're supposed to be doing this at this time and they're not doing it why? because your body is already programmed to that God programmed you to live that way why? so that you wouldn't burn yourself out because he knows the human brain can get under a kind of pressure where it presses itself beyond where it's normal to relax. You understand what I'm saying? He knows the power of the human soul to do a lot of things that are not good for your body, not good for the whole bulk of it. You know people yourself who can, uh, they work a night shift. And it doesn't bother them. And then they can come home and get a little sleep. And then afterwards they're just not as... You understand what you can only push that for so long. You understand what I'm saying? And so God ordained for this. Why? So that we'd have an internal clock to keep us healthy, to keep us rested. Rest is real important to God, folks. I hope you're getting that idea because it, it is very important. Now, I know I can go clock out like anybody and not want to get up out of bed. You understand me? You I mean... But I do. Once I'm up, I'm, once I, if I move and get my feet on the floor, I'm done with that bed. 
So, you know, <laughs> you know, you have to have a way to get yourself going and make sure that you stop and rest. One of the problems I do have is that if I have things I want to do, I'll push my body beyond where I'm tired. Now, I've learned how to do that just so I can get a lot done, you know, and, and not have to sit and all that kind of stuff. I don't feel like I'm, I'm worn out from it. But these things with blood pressure and all that kind of stuff can come from stressing yourself out like that. You understand? So I need to respect my internal clock and continue to do what I know I'm supposed to do. It's about work and rest, folks. And about blessing what you have to eat and eating what's good for you. Ask God to satisfy your mouth with good things. You know, he'll do that. It'll shock you how you like vegetables if you put some seasoning on them or throw some onions in them or something like that. You know, they won't just be that green thing you push around your plate anymore. I don't know how I got over there, but anyway, you, you understand what I'm saying. God has built you in such a way that you can take care of yourself. You understand what I'm saying? You don't need all these different people, you know, personal trainers and life coaches and all this. You just pay attention to God. And what you need. You notice people are more dependent on other people to tell them what they knew. A common sense used to tell us what to do. Now that we've stopped spending so much time with God. See all this new age stuff and all this health kick stuff. We didn't have that. People were grateful for what they had to eat. You didn't have a whole lot. You know sometimes you had enough for your family of four or five or six or however many it was. You didn't have a lot of leftovers. You didn't need two refrigerators. You know all of this excess stuff we have has caused problems and consequences for us. Now we need other experts to help us learn how to just live basic life. You know just go back to what's simple. Go back to what worked. Go back to what worked for mom and dad if you paid attention. And understand how, how your body and your mind and your spirit can work together to give you the good life that God wants you to have. So time is on your side when you respect the normal rhythm of the human body. Your body knows it automatically determines time to wake, to work, and to sleep. All living things on earth have this. Plants have it. Your dog has got it. That's why your dog sleeps most of the time. Huh? It ain't for him. He don't have a job. You got me? So don't get jealous of him because he's sleeping all the time. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's respecting the rhythm of his little body. This rhythm can also be influenced by light and temperature. Okay? But all living things have a rhythm that is influenced by the temperature, time, and hormones play an effect in the circadian rhythm of the human body. And in other, other forms of life as well. So there is a rhythm in each human that makes him aware of time. As this circle or this cycle causes you to be aware of time, it will feed your intellect and your awareness of time will cause you to be concerned about how to manage your time. So it will cause us to set goals, keep deadlines, and make judgments about how to use our time. 
So the fact that God gave you time and built inside of your body an awareness of time and how to use time will cause you to manage time in such a way that you set goals, you set priorities, and, and you make a judgment as to how you use your time. Judging your time is something you need really to reflect with God on how you're doing. Because many people misjudge how they are using their time and they're either too hard on themselves about it or they won't set goals. They'll see goals like say for instance you, you have something in your heart that you want to do and you keep pushing it off and not wanting to do it because you think it's too hard or it's unattainable, it takes too much money, I'll never be able to use. See you put a bad judgment on what your heart desires. If you go to God in that time of rest and get his understanding of his purpose for your life. What does God delight in you doing? Some of us never find out. Some of us don't even think it's necessary to find out. What do you think you do that really God, that pleases God or he delights in? Hmm? And if you will understand how God can work that into the things that you also want to do. It's not like he wants to take up all. It's the first thing people get scared about. Oh, I won't never do it. Oh, if I, I can't take up all Sunday. Yeah. Hmm? I can't take a whole. Well, if you can't take a whole Sunday, do as much Sunday as you can resting in God. <laughs> huh? But it will shock you how productive your life will be if you will just kick back, get your Bible open, read a little word, talk to God a little bit, have a little fellowship with him, have a little fellowship with the saints. All of that is resting in God. When we have fellowship after these meals, it's to help you to understand how to appreciate one another, I think. I mean, I think that was in my mind. You know? And then people, you know, they want to carry out all the time. You know? You even have to break that wall down at some point. You know, we all are uncomfortable around people when we first meet them. We break, now see, in the world, they call it happy hour. Because if you knock back a few drinks, and everybody loves everybody after well, we've already knocked back a few under the Holy Ghost, so now everybody should love everybody. We should be able to spend time with one. You understand what I'm saying? The same thing. Huh? It's true. So, so in fellowship, what we start doing is we get an appreciation for one another's life, humanity, goals dreams, evaluate, we start to hold one another in high esteem. So if you're just walking in and, and this person never seems to speak to you, if you never get beyond that understanding of who they are, you'll never appreciate who they really are. You understand what I'm saying? I can remember being in Bible studies and, and you know, ladies, you could always know so-and-so always does this for somebody. They always do that for somebody. Why? Because we didn't rush out of there. You understand? We took the time to get to know one another. And it was so we liked it because it was different than what we had on Sunday. 
where everybody's tromping in and they were tromping out. You know, they're glad to get out and then they sit in the parking lot and talk about each other and smoke cigarettes and all this guy. You understand what I'm saying. And so the the idea of fellowship and appreciating humanity and one another and the people of God and the saints of God is very important to God. You got me? That's one of his purposes for putting us here. Why would he tell one another, tell us that the second commandment is as important as first to love one another as you love yourself? When you love yourself, you want to run out the door and say, Ooh, did you see what she had? And she didn't speak to me again. You understand what I'm saying? But when you love each other, you can sit there and you can find it. Well, you know, I never knew that about Nikki. I never knew she, she liked that kind of stuff. Why? You got a chance to sit down. You rested in God and God's people. in some fellowship. See, we force y'all to do it here. You know, you're really forced. You know, you don't have no choice. You're going to hang, you're going to show them hang. You understand? Huh? And when you come to us with your little, did you talk to them about it? Forgive first before you go talk to them. You don't go and talk to anybody, won't tell them off. Just wait until I should have said so and so and so. Wait till I see them again. Huh? Got your little six shooter out on somebody. That ain't Christian. That ain't God. Huh? So we force you into fellowship situations to teach you to learn it. Well, if I'm going to stay in the room with her, I'm going to have to feel different. Yeah, forgive. That's a, It's called forgiveness. So you do that. Amen. And you can do more than stay in the room with somebody. You can get to know them. You can get to talk to them. That delights God when his children get along. Huh? When his children love it. It delights you when your kids get along. You don't like it when yours don't get along. And so God appreciates that. So those are this just a simple example of what delights God about us. How do you, what do we know that we do that pleases God? I think it's good to think about those things. So. This rhythm that's inside of every human being, we said, will cause us to set goals, keep deadlines, and make judgments about how to use time. And that last one, be very careful about. Make sure that God is the one making the judgment about how you spend your time. Or you will wreck yourself trying to squeeze more in when it's not necessary. Many of us from time to time have super visions about ourselves and then sometimes they're so low you know you can't even want to do them you know what I'm saying and so you have to be careful to let your your uh, spirit man understand God and his priorities and help you prioritize your goals so the purpose of your life is to uh, is to pursue the things that you delight that delight you, give you pleasure, and that you desire. And according to Ecclesiastes 3.1, there is a time for all of that. God has made time. He wants you really to enjoy your life. The thing we delight in becomes our purpose. You know, many times, you know, your carnal mind is so full of doubt and fear and dread Sometimes you'll have an idea of something you would really like to do and you'll tell yourself you'll never be able to do it only because you like it. Huh? 
some people are, you know, and, and it depends on how you view yourself. Do I feel that I'm worthy of living a life doing something that I enjoy? You'll find the answer in God. You won't find it in how you feel about things. You won't find it in your emotions. But you will find that answer in God. Yes, God created me to enjoy what I do. And I have certain things in my heart that I like doing. And I believe he put them there. And he put them there to guide my life so that I can enjoy the life that I have. If you enjoy it, you'll be more productive at it. And if you, if you delight in it and you're successful at it, then you can please God in it. He puts gifts and abilities in us so that we can be led to fulfill certain things and bring enjoyment to us in life. It's never too late to tap into that place to find out where your joy is. It's never too late. Because God has always given us ample time to enjoy. He gives you ample time to enjoy. I've talked to people who are young people, uh, barely in their 20s. And they'll say, well, don't do what I did. I, I'm, I got this job because I didn't go to college. I say, are you kidding me? In your 20s, you can still go. You can go in your 30s. You can go in your 40s. See, some people have determined themselves to be failures in certain areas because they didn't do it when everybody else was doing it, so they thought. And it's a lie of the devil because it's just something to keep you limited in your possibilities in life. To keep you on a low scale of expectation of yourself. Sometimes people will put certain things off because they have an understanding of time being extended for them. Now this was common when, when I was younger because there were women in my age bracket. If they decided to have a family in their younger years, they would go to school when the kids went to school. It wasn't, wasn't a big deal. Well, I'll fit it in somehow. And see, that's God speaking to you. God is the one who says you will fit it in somehow because I've already ordained your life and I know what you like and I know what delights you and I know that you can get this stuff in. Don't ever lament that you didn't do certain things at a certain time in your life. That's just wrong. What you need to do is you need to take all of that stuff that pressures you about time and let God examine it with you so that you can understand, yeah, there are some things I still can do. There are some things I still want to do. There are some things I can still accomplish no matter what's going on. Or if you don't know what you're supposed to do, you need to get that from God. People who don't know need to talk to him definitely. You got me? Because you can get caught up in a lot of things that look like they're the next great thing to do as far as Christians are concerned. And none of it has anything to do with you. That's where you really waste your time is trying to keep up with the Joneses or the religious Joneses or whoever they are that you're trying to keep up with. You can waste a lot of time doing those things. I've seen people do it. And people, God will send them to our meetings. And we don't look like what they think their future is supposed to be. You understand what I'm saying? And that happens all the time. You can, that can happen with people in the secular world. You know, you can get a job and it's at a small company. And God wants you to be a big fish in a small bowl. 
You go to a big company, you'll never excel because everybody steps on top of you. You understand what I'm saying? But if we learn how to evaluate things according to what God puts in your heart, then you'll be able to make the right assessment and grow and do the right thing. Now we have people, you know, catching me on the internet. I, I really get a lot out of your website. Is there any way I can learn how to be a watchman? I say, yeah. And you never hear from them again. You understand? Because when it comes to their efforts to put into it, they don't want to do it. But yet they go and waste a lot of time and a lot of years not doing much for God simply because they don't have that understanding of the value of things. You only get that in your resting God. You won't appreciate the right thing for anything if it don't come to you through God. Because he says, if you delight yourself in me, I'll give you the desires of your heart. So that's the catch. You've got to love spending time with God. You've got to love God's word. You've got to love understanding God. You've got to love God, giving God time and, and effort in pursuing relationship with him in order to appreciate your life. You won't get it any other way. You'll be stressed out, worn out, discouraged. Why did I spend all this time and money doing this? And I did this and I still don't work in this yet. So the sense of wasted time comes out of the conflict between what you really desire and delight in and your judgment of whether seeking that is good or bad. So if you know what you desire in your heart and you know what you want to do in your heart, let God have that. Let him examine that. Let him be the author of it. Let him encourage you in it. And the conflict that you have with whether or not you did the right thing with your time, with your life and your money and your resources will be minimal. Because you can say, I was led by God in this and he works everything together for my good. It's going to be good. It's going to work out. I won't regret having spent time in this. Things some people are driven or motivated to do certain things. Driven people need to chill. Huh? They really do. They just need to clock out for a day or two and take a rest in God. Hmm? Because being driven means that there's something motivating you to the extreme. You're not just motivated. Like for instance, if, if you might linger in the bed another 10 minutes when the alarm goes off and then you look at the clock again and say man I better get up out this bed you're motivated to get up you're motivated by what you're looking forward to for the rest of the day amen and so your motivation is what pulls you up into these things well people who are driven have motivation off the hook Amen. They're not motivated by a desire in their hearts. It's now an emotional and a psychological thing that keeps pushing them. Amen. And God never intended for us to be pushed by our souls to do anything. He intends for us to feed on his word by your spirit. Your spirit man is so chill it's ridiculous. He's not worried, he's not fearful, he's not fretting, he's not regretting, he doesn't have any negative emotion in him whatsoever. Hmm? None whatsoever. And so when you understand, Becky you can go turn that on now, or Jackie, can you turn that, it's on? Okay, thank you. When you understand that, that your inner man 
has to have that connection to really motivate you, then you'll understand that time becomes your friend every single day. You'll have this contentment that says, I'm using my time wisely. When I was younger, before I got saved, I would feel guilty if I didn't have two jobs, you know, the Jamaican thing, tree job, mind you, lazy thing. That was me. You know, I thought I had to have a, a, you know, go to school, have a job, have everything. Why? Because there was lack motivating me. And fear of lack was motivating me. Why? Because I grew up poor. And when you grow up poor, if you don't have God, you spend every single day working hard trying to attain and to achieve to make up for lack. Lack's never satisfied. Huh? God told me one time, he said, you'll see people get into more trouble trying to make up for what the devil stole from them. He said, when I tell them, that's my job. Huh? That's his job. He gives you back sevenfold. What more do you want? Huh? And so many times people are driven by a fear of lack more than they are driven by God's, motivated by God's contentment in helping them to understand how to enjoy life. Christians, this is going to be very important for us because we're going to have to learn how to live our lives step by step with God. And if you have a conflict about how you're using your time or a conflict about how you're using your resources or anything like that, you'll miss your steps in God. And it's going to be very important for us to keep. It's always important. But there are different times in the history of God's people where it's of utmost important that we keep our appointments with God the way they're supposed to be. We keep our steps in God the way they're supposed to be. Because we're running out of time in the earth. That's, that's why I'm teaching you this today. It gets to the point where we run out of time down here. To do all of the things that God has ordained for you to do. And do the desires of your heart as well. You're, the, you're at your best when the things that you desire are the things that he desires. That's going to be your most contentment. I don't care how hard it is. That's going to be your most joy. That's if you will let things roll over onto God. And let him have these things. So that you know that what you're doing is the will of God. You know that he's pleased with how you live your life. Then time won't mean anything to you. You'll be really living in God's realm. Which there's no time there. You're living in eternity then. When what heaven desires is the biggest part of your heart. You'll live in eternal Grace, And so that's a, a place where time has no factor. It means nothing to you. It's not pressing to you. It's not a problem to you. It's, it doesn't even exist anymore. Because you exist in your life with God and there's no pressure as far as time is concerned. But people who are pressured and who have trouble with getting everything done in a day. You know what I'm saying? Some people just leave everything because they just can't get it done or Expecting some somebody to come in special and do it for them. You know what I'm saying? It, it's because they don't have this connection with God the way it's supposed to be where you rest in him. And you long for that time that you can rest in God. So God's purpose for us is determined by the kingdom purpose or what delights him. Psalm 37, 4, if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you, give you, not you have to work for him, he will give you 
the desires of your heart. If you learn daily about the rest of Jesus and not let time bug you, you'll live a light of delight and purpose. You'll be a physically rested and energized person. Time interference comes when doubt that you are doing the right thing arises. Sometimes you can reflect back on time and you'll wonder if you spent it correctly or spent it wisely. Now I usually think of people who are older going through this, but young people do it too. Young people have a sense that they're running out of time. Everybody on the earth has a sense that we're running out of time because we are. If you pursue something, you may later doubt yourself and feel you wasted your time. Ephesians 5.15 has the answer for that. The author says if we walk circumspectly, in fact he demands that we walk circumspectly. What does that mean? The word circumspect really means to look around. If you're cautious, if you're wise and you're advised in what you do, that's what it means when it says to be circumspect. And he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So the more time we run out of, or the closer it gets to the Lord's return, the more circumspect we have to be. What does that mean? Now I heard people misquote this scripture, God going to redeem the time. No, he tells you, don't be foolish in how you spend it. To walk circumspectly. In other words, value time. Measure out every day as though it's really important to you to get what God wants you to get accomplished in that day. Learn how to spend the time, necessary time with God to get an assurance about your direction. About where you're headed, what you're doing. You know, we talk about uh, doing the believer's ministry. Talk to God about that. God, what's my gift that I can use to help me to reach the lost or help me to reach people in need? Talk to him about that and get an assurance that he's with you when you go forth and do things. Other than that, this is just a bunch of religious nonsense where we use a lot of phrases and we talk about doing a lot. Oh yeah, the, the glory's going to come down. We're going to have this great revival. If we don't spend time with God to make sure of our place in it, we're wasting our time. And see, that sense of wasted time will come to you because you really are doing it. And so what you want to do is make sure that you're on schedule with everything that God's on schedule with. God, what are you doing now? What is? What are my children's place in that thing? Pray for them to be positioned where they're supposed to be positioned in God. Amen? Is one of my kids stressed out unnecessarily about something? You know, do more than just go pet them and rub them and hug them. You know, just pray for them and say, listen, we're going to get you on track with God because there's no reason you feel like this about your life. Amen? And so be somebody who can exhort and stir people up. You can only do it if you're doing it yourself. See, if you've got good management in God over your time, your life, your resources, all of those things, 
then you'll be able to have that in God. You'll be able to rest in him. You'll be able to know that what's going on in your life is a blessing. Amen? That is, you are on track. You're not wasting your time. You're not here for nothing. You have purpose. You have dignity. Your purpose can be a delight to you. You're not here as some sacrificial person that's never going to enjoy anything because God's messing up your life. Don't think like that. You know, many times people get because your life isn't delighting you. Number one, you got to be a person that wants to be pleased. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, let's get basic with it. Some people just don't want to be. I want to smile. I'm not going to be happy until. Well, you just stay there then. You understand what I'm saying? Now, they can't verbalize that to you sometimes, but you know that's what's going on in them. They're reserving joy for a time when everything's according to their little things.